You understand the importance of Divine Mercy Sunday? It's a special day, but only because of the sacraments. It's not special because it's magic or a wand or a rabbit's foot, as I said. It's special because it brings you back to the sacraments. Our Lord gave this at this time in history because never before until this time in history have we been falling away from the sacraments. Back in the Middle Ages, everybody came to the sacraments. Our Lord didn't have to do this. Back then, he didn't have to give Divine Mercy Sunday because they were going to the sacraments. Our Lord now sees us not going to the sacraments and he's begging us. He's giving us these beautiful gifts of incentive. Come to me in the sacraments and I will give you this incredible grace. This is the feast of divine mercy. All right, let's wrap up with the rest of them. I-N-C-H, much quicker. I, the image of divine mercy. Now, what makes this special In fact, what is this? This is how Jesus appeared to St. Faustina when he actually came to her on February 22nd, 1931. Now, I remember I'll share a cute story again. I go back to my family. My dad has really been coming back to his faith. And for a guy who never did anything more than go to a Sunday mass, that's pretty amazing. And one time I said to my dad, it was, he's been growing a lot in his faith. And I thought, you know, he might even know the answer to this. It was February 22nd. I forget what year. And I said, hey, Dad, do you know the importance of today's date? February 22nd. I was hoping that maybe he would know. This was the day Jesus appeared to St. Faustina, which was also at the time when she celebrated the Feast of Icons. And I said, Dad, do you know what this date is? He says, yeah. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. This is the day the 1980 USA hockey team beat the Russians. Okay, Dad, we're still a work in progress. And that is a great day in our history, but that day, February 22nd, 1931, Jesus actually appeared to St. Faustina in her room. Now, when we think of visions of the, like the Medjugorje seers, right, where they have a vision of Mary, nobody else sees Mary. It's kind of like an internal thing. Not this one. Jesus was physically in her room. How do we know this? Because we have writings of the sisters in the convent that when Jesus was in her room, can you imagine this? You're St. Faustina. You go home, you get in your room, you close the door, you turn around, and there is Jesus in your room. You see, he was physically there, just like I'm before you right now, or just like you are next to the person. He was physically there. Some of the nuns in the convent wrote that they could see a light shining underneath the door. It was the brightest light they had ever seen. St. Faustina's convent did not have electricity. So there was no way that that bright light was coming from a light, like electric light. The only thing it could have been was an oil lamp. And the sister wrote, there's no oil lamp in the world that can make a light this bright. What was the light? Coming from Jesus's heart. The rays of red and white, which we're going to talk about. Now, it was so bright that even two young Um, students came to the front door and knocked on the convent. And when the mother superior answered, they told her there's an airplane on your roof because the light was that bright. Actually, Jesus was physically there. Now, what is it that made our Holy Father say 
The, the best images of Christianity are those images that capture the Paschal mystery. This image captures the Paschal mystery better than any other ever. What is the Paschal mystery? Started on Holy Thursday and went all the way through the whole Easter season to Pentecost. Now, <clears throat> in the Easter season, or excuse me, the Paschal mystery begins in the upper room. What happened on Holy Thursday? Jesus instituted the Eucharist, right? By, and the Mass by being the high priest. What is Jesus dressed as here? The high priest. He is in the adorned, he is wearing the alb, just like Monsignor wears under his vestments. He is the high priest. Now, what did he institute? The Eucharist. What do we have here? The precious blood. These rays are the blood and the water. This is the precious blood our Lord brought us the priesthood, the mass, the Eucharist. Now, what happened next, the next day? Good Friday. How is that on here? The crucifixion. You can't see it real well, but the wounds of the crucifixion are on his hands and his feet. What happened after that? Easter. What did Easter? Jesus resurrected. In this image, Christ is resurrected. This is not before the resurrection. This is after the resurrection. He is glorified. What happened 40 days after the resurrection? The ascension. How is the ascension captured in this image? A little trickier. The Bible tells us that before Jesus ascended to the Father, he blessed all those present. The traditional form of Jewish blessing was to raise your right hand, shoulder height, in the form of a blessing, and Jesus is blessing you. Every time you come before this image, we are not worshiping the image, we are not worshiping the, the paint or the brush strokes. We are worshiping what it represents. You Catholics can't have graven images. Oh, yeah? Does the Bible say you can't have graven images? Is that what the Bible says? You need to read a little further. It says you cannot have graven images for the purpose of worshiping them, like the golden calf. We're not worshiping the statues. You see these statues over here? We're not worshiping them. We are not worshiping the statues. Those graven images are not for the point of worship. You know what? If all graven images were disallowed, you got to tell your Protestant brothers and sisters to throw away the picture of their family on their desk. That's a graven image. That's a graven image. That is not what the Bible says. You cannot worship that graven image like a golden calf. This image, what it represents is the key. And in it, we see, and you come before it, you get our Lord's blessing. Now, what happened 10 days after the ascension? Pentecost, thank you. 10 days after the ascension was Pentecost. And what happened to Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came and the church was born of blood and water. The Pentecost birth of the church, blood and water. Now, the last thing I want to say about this image is about the blood and the water. Okay. Satan only has two tools in his toolbox. Sin, and what did we say Monday night as the result of sin? Death. Now, what defeats sin? We just talked about it. The cleansing waters of baptism and confession. The cleansing waters wipe you away in baptism and confession, wipe away Satan's first great tool, sin. Now, What's second, Satan's second great tool? Death. What wipes out death? Life. 
And what is life to the Jews? Blood. This is the other ray that wipes out Satan's other great tool. I'm telling you, this image has it all. You know, you can get it in our catalog. If you want to flip through and get a nice framed canvas image, great. But you don't have to. Get a prayer card. Print it off the internet. Just get this image in your house. Jesus makes many promises. You won't believe the letters we get. We got letters. You know what? You want to see an amazing story? Go on our website and type in Hurricane Sandy and divine image protection. There's a guy that sent us pictures. We couldn't believe it. Before Hurricane Sandy roared up, it was coming up the coast, and the people in Long Island were evacuating in this guy's neighborhood, and everybody's racing out, and he stops, and he takes the image of divine mercy, and he holds it up to the storm, and he consecrates his house to it, and he leaves the image right there in the front of the house. They all leave. A week later, they come back. All the houses in that neighborhood were destroyed. Roofs crushed in by trees, windows busted, flooding. All the houses flooded. His house was untouched. Untouched. We hear stories like this all the time. Even in Warsaw, after World War II, at the end of World War II, Hitler obliterated Warsaw in punishment for the Warsaw Uprising. There were like four buildings left standing. Every one of them had the image of divine mercy. It's a lot there. Get this image. Even if you have to draw a picture of it, God will accept that. This is powerful. Now, one I do think when I want to mention one more thing is here we see the rays of blood and water coming out of where? His heart. But doesn't scripture tell us, where does scripture tell us that the blood and the water came out of? The side. Well, then what are we doing here? If the blood and the water in the Bible says came out of his side, what the heck's it doing coming out of his heart? Well, one of my employees at the shrine is named Dr. Robert Stackpole. He's a PhD theologian. And he did his doctoral thesis on this. You see, Roman soldiers were trained executioners that when they had their spears, they knew exactly between what two ribs to slide their spear through, to go through the chest cavity and puncture the heart, causing instant death. So a criminal or a enemy on the battlefield or a criminal on the cross they slid that spear and it would go right through and puncture the heart. You see the blood and the water that came out of Jesus' side came after he was speared through the heart. It came from the heart. And the Shroud of Turin, they've done studies on it and they have found that the fluid that was on the side of Christ came all the way from the heart. This is powerful. All right. What about the left foot? In every image of divine mercy, you see the left foot stepping forward? Every image, what does that mean? All right, what makes this devotion special is it's not just our devotion to God, it's God's devotion to us. And in this image, he is stepping out to you, giving you his hand, asking you to take it, begging you to accept his mercy, and telling you, I am the way, the truth, and the life, just like today's gospel reading. In that left foot, Christ is stepping forward to you. It's not just our devotion to God, it's God's devotion to us. He's making his last ditch effort before the end to come get you. The good shepherd will come after the one lost sheep. 
The other 99, doesn't matter. He's going to come to the one lost sheep. This is what he's doing. He's coming to you. Take his hand, grab it, and accept his mercy. This is the image. This is what it does. All right? Now, which one of these is the best? Which one has the most grace? Is it this one, which was actually the one St. Faustina had drawn? Huh, funny, you should mention that, because this is the one that actually is over her tomb. The one over her tomb isn't even the one she had drawn. Now, we Marian fathers, we promote this one because it's called the Vilnius, and this is the one St. Faustina had drawn the best of her recollection. But this is the one that is over her tomb. Now, what is this one? This one we call the Hyla, that is the most popular. This sells the most images. Why? Everybody says, because Jesus looks the happiest. <laughs> what is this one? This is the skem, which is probably technically most correct, because you notice the difference in the rays? The rays don't go down. The rays go out like 3D. So this is called the skemp, named after the guy who painted it. Now, which one is the greatest? Which one has the most grace? The third. All of them. Because Jesus said the grace is not in the paint or the brush strokes, but in the grace of my mercy and what this represents. They all have it. Okay, next, N. What is N? The novena. What is a novena? Nine days of prayer. That comes from the tradition of Mary in the upper room with the apostles between Pentecost, excuse me, Ascension and Pentecost. That nine days of prayer, waiting for the Holy Spirit, he gave us the tradition of the novena. Now, who do you pray in novena to if you lose something? St. Anthony. Who do you pray in novena to if you have cancer? St. Peregrine. What do you pray for in the Divine Mercy novena? What do you pray for? It's the only novena we have in the Catholic Church that is not our intentions. If you lose something, your intention, it's my intention to get it back. If you have cancer, it's my intention to ask for healing. Those are good. But the Divine Mercy Novena is the only one we have that is not our intentions. It's God's intentions. He tells St. Faustina every day what to pray for. Pray for priests and religious. Pray for lukewarm sinners. We need it. The priests need it. The lukewarm sinner needs, sinner needs it. So in this chaplet, we have a very powerful prayer. Now, do you only have to pray the intentions Jesus gave to St. Faustina? No. You can pray your own intention. Just do the chaplet nine days in a row. Make your intention. Pray the chaplet. Do that nine days in a row. It's called the novena of chaplets. It's a beautiful prayer. Now, there are many great novenas, but I'm going to share with you two of them. I have done probably every novena there is, and I'll tell you there's two that will work every time. Do not overuse them. Please do not pray in Novena that the L.A. Raiders win the Super Bowl next year. Okay? Are they? They're back in Oakland. I'm sorry. The L.A. Rams. You don't waste a prayer like that on something so special. If you're going to use it, wait for the heavy big-time moments. But I tell you, there's two that have never failed me. And that is Our Lady Undoer of Knots and Our Lady of Good Success. You want to look them up on the internet? You want to know two powerful novenas that'll never let you down? Look up Our Lady Undoer of Knots, it's Pope Francis's favorite, and Our Lady of Good Success. 
You got yourself in a mess you need to get out of, do one lady of knots, endure of knots. You got something in your life that you are praying for, you want to try to ask our Lord's assistance, go to Our Lady of Good Success. These are two incredible novenas. You know, novenas are a very good thing. Um, I'm going to share a quick story with this lady that I know very well in Charlotte. God bless her. Her name is Barb, and she's married to a good friend of mine named Dom. They're in their 70s. And she is this classic, just devoted, loves all the saints. So she has a bracelet on that's given to her by her little granddaughter. And this bracelet had no monetary value, but it was all sentimental. It meant the world to her. And she never took it off. Bathtub, shower, sleeping, never took it off. Well, one day she's in the house and she looks with terror. It's gone. So who does she pray in Avena to? St. Anthony. So she prays this prayer to St. Anthony for nine days. And guess what happened on the ninth day? Nothing. So she prays another nine-day novena, just in case St. Anthony didn't hear her. <laughs> Nothing. So then she starts to say, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. So she really gets into that third novena. She gets to the ninth day. She lays down at bed, and she says to St. Anthony, St. Anthony, I trust you. I'm shutting off the light. And when I wake up tomorrow, I totally expect that bracelet on this nightstand. She shut off the light. Guess what happened when she woke up? Nothing. She got up. She was fuming. She stood up. She says, St. Anthony, we are through. She says, we're done. That's it. I prayed to you three times. I trusted you. You were supposed to find this. You know how much that necklace meant to me. She's crying. She just says, St. Anthony, we're through. We're done. And she went out to the kitchen because it was exactly what the morning she woke up and Dom's out in the kitchen. She starts to make his breakfast and she's got the pancake batter in a pitcher. So that can pancake batter's in the pitcher and she's working around the kitchen and accidentally she turns around and she knocks that pancake batter off and dumps it and it flows all over the stove range top. So it goes down into the burners and it's all over the range top and it gets down all around and she goes, oh no. Dom comes up, they take the burners out, they try wiping it up. He's like, ah, oh, gosh, Barb. So they had to disassemble the entire range top. So Dom has to get in, get his tools. They disassemble the entire range top. Dom is in there cleaning out, and guess what he found? <laughs> the bracelet. It had fallen off and fell down into the stove. Had she not dumped that batter, she never would have found it. So Dom picked up that, that bracelet, and he says, Barb. And Barb put her head down. And she comes forward and he gave it to her and she looks at it and she says, I'm sorry, St. Anthony. <laughs> That's the power of a novena. Do them. They're great prayers. All right. So that is the beauty of a novena. That's N. We're down to C. What is C? The chaplet. What do we pray the chaplet on? Regular, ordinary rosary beads. Don't have to worry about it. It's an easy prayer. It takes seven to eight minutes. One of the reasons I think God gave it to us is he knows we're lazy and we don't want to do the rosary. So he gave us this, this beautiful prayer called the chaplet. Now, a couple quick things on the chaplet. 
This is a very powerful prayer. It's a great intercessory prayer. Now, Jesus makes many promises through it. Many promises. Jesus says, priests will recommend it to sinners as their last hope of salvation. Are you kidding me? Even if there were a sinner most hardened, if he were to recite this chaplet even once, he would receive grace from my infinite mercy. I desire to grant unimaginable graces to those souls who trust in my mercy. But I had to say a couple of quick things on the chaplet. You know, one of the big complaints we hear are people saying, Father, how do I make this prayer? It sounds really weird. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Who am I? I can't offer the Father, the Son to the Father. I'm not a priest. And Father, you even said the Mass is God offering God to God. I can't offer God to God. I'm not a priest. Are you a priest? Actually, you are. You are. By virtue of your baptism, you participate in the three offices of Christ. Anybody know what they are? Priest, prophets, and king. Very good. Guess what, everybody? You're a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet teaches. You are to teach your loved ones and your family in the ways of the Lord. You're a king. What does a king do? King governs. You are to govern your family in the ways of the Lord. Your body in the ways of health and holiness. You are a king. You are to govern. <clears throat> but you're also a priest. Now, don't let me see you in the confessional hearing confessions. <laughs> you're not a ministerial priest, like, like an ordained priest, but you are sharers in the common priesthood. You share in the common priesthood. And guess what a priest does? Offers sacrifice. So when you pray that chaplet, eternal father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity, you're exercising your priesthood. It may be the only time you do this because you're offering sacrifice. All right. Now, the other thing I want to mention is people ask all the time, father, if I don't make it to mass, what's the next best thing? Well, if it's a Sunday, the next best thing is confession. If you're talking a weekday mass, it's this. The Mass is divided into two parts. The liturgy of the Word, word and liturgy of the Eucharist. Eucharist. What do we do on liturgy of the Word? We meditate on Scripture, right? What's the rosary? Meditation on Scripture. Is it a bunch of Hail Marys? Uh-uh. It's a meditation on Scripture. You know, when I was a kid, we were moving from Utah to Michigan. And I remember there were some unpacked boxes, and I was going through them. And I saw in this box a rosary, or excuse me, just a string of beads. And I remember pulling it up. And I, had, I was seven years old, and I remember I never saw it, but it was very intriguing. And I said to my mom, Mom, what is this? And she says, that's a rosary, but nobody prays it anymore. We don't pray that anymore. This is the wackiness that got lost after Vatican II, right? So I said, should I throw it away? And my mom thought about it. And then she said, you know, why don't you keep it? Throw it back in the box. Fast forward 35 years. You know, they say when a man accepts his vocational call, or a woman to the, be a nun, or a man to be a priest, God showers tons of grace on the family. 
My mom and dad hadn't prayed the rosary in 40 years. I came home one night, I get home once a year, and guess what my mom is doing? Praying the rosary for me. And unknownst to her, guess what rosary she was praying on? That same rosary. Now, the interesting thing was when I walked in, I noticed something about my mom. She had that rosary, and she was going, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord's with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord's with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord's with thee. I said, Mom, stop! Stop! Mom, stop! What is the rosary to you? It's not a bunch of Hail Marys. Mom, the rosary, it's a meditation on Scripture. The Annunciation, be there as the angel comes and talks with Mary. The scourging at the pillar, be there as you feel the slashes that Christ took for our sins of the flesh. Mom, the rosary is meditation on scripture. The, the Hail Marys are just background music. It's kind of like watching a great movie, right? When you watch a movie, the music just gets you into the plot. Y'all remember Jaws? You, you, you got into the plot and the music like got you into it. You don't ever watch a movie and turn away from the movie and just listen to the music, unless it's Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> the point is you get into the, the plot and the, and the Hail Marys like that are on the rosary are just background music. So mom, it's not just about a bunch of Hail Marys. And God bless my mom. My mom says, wait a minute. I heard that every time you say a Hail Mary, it's like shooting a bullet into the devil. And I said, okay. And she held up the rosary and she says, this is my machine gun. <laughs> Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace. Okay, mom, you got me on that one. God bless you. But this is the power of the rosary and the chaplet. You miss mass. You say a rosary. It's like liturgy of the word. You say a chaplet, it's like liturgy of the Eucharist, and you make a, uh, a spiritual communion, telling the Lord, I can't receive you right now in the actual sacrament, but please give me the graces if I did. This is the beautiful part of the chaplet of divine mercy. All right, next, what is, we do, we're finishing up, what is H? F is the feast of divine mercy. I is the image, N is the novena, C is the chaplet. What was H? The hour of mercy. And? Who put that Michigan clock on there? <laughs> My superior saw this. He said, come on, Father Chris, what are you doing? I said, well, that stands for mercy. <laughs> <laughs> or better, Mary. This stands for Mary. He's like, oh, brother. So what time is the hour of mercy? Three o'clock. What did Jesus first tell us to do? What's the most powerful prayer you can make? It's actually the conversion of sinners. Pray for the conversion of sinners. But at three o'clock, what was the first thing Jesus said to do? Did he say to pray the chaplet? No. What was the first thing Jesus said to do if you can at three o'clock? Walk the stations of the cross. Then he said, if you can't do that, simply adore him in the blessed, stop into a church and adore him in the blessed sacrament. He said, if you can't do that, stop wherever you are and just meditate on his passion. The reason we pray the chaplet at three o'clock the hour of mercy is because it's about his passion for the sake of his sorrowful passion. We do this at three o'clock. Jesus died on the cross. Sometimes people say to me, Father, I'm always awakened at 3 a.m., the hour of the devil. 
No hours belong to the devil. First of all, you know when they believe Jesus resurrected? Many scientists, theologians believe Jesus resurrected at 3 a.m. That is not the devil's hour. God owns the hours. It's kind of like your soul. You ever hear somebody say, so-and-so sold their soul to the devil? Can you sell your soul to the devil? No, you don't own it. God does. So this is what is important. Do this. It's about his passion. This is why we do it. All right. You guys have been so patient, and God bless you, and I know I ran again a few minutes late, but I want to summarize for you everything we just learned in three nights in a couple slides. Jesus said to St. Faustina, I am giving mankind the last hope of salvation that is recourse to my mercy. What is recourse to God's mercy? Just remember A, B, C, F, I, N, C, H. The ABCs ask for God's mercy. Be merciful to each other, completely trust in God. That's your message of mercy, how you will be judged. How do you strengthen yourself in living that? You practice the devotion of divine mercy. F-I-N-C-H. Receive the grace of the feast of divine mercy. Venerate the image, I, of divine mercy. Pray, N, the novena of divine mercy. Pray, C, the chaplet of divine mercy. And on H, the hour of mercy at 3 o'clock, meditate on his passion. You do this, you're going to heaven. You just have to want it. You have to will it. You don't, it's not again a rabbit's wand, a foot or a magic wand. It's a rectification of the will to change your life, give it to God, and it's not that difficult. So, John Paul II said, there is nothing the world needs more than divine mercy. And he consecrated the world to it. You know, Pope Benedict said, divine mercy is not a secondary devotion. Divine mercy, he said, is an integral part of Christian life and prayer. It's not optional. Pope Francis said, the mercy of God is infinite, but the time of mercy is not. He went like this. He said, we are living on borrowed time. Do not miss it. And he declared the year of mercy. And he's giving us, God, borrowed time. Don't miss the boat. Mankind will not have peace until it turns to the fount of my mercy. This is what Faustina's job was, to prepare the world for his final coming so that mankind will turn to the fount of God's mercy. That's why you're here. That's why each and every one of you is here tonight. You know, John Paul II, the night that he canonized St. Faustina, all of our Marian priests and brothers were there. And he canonized St. Faustina and that night at a reception, he made a startling comment. John Paul stood up, and you think of all the things he did as Pope. And John Paul II stood up and he said, the reason I was made Pope was to canonize St. Faustina and to institute the Feast of Divine Mercy. This is the happiest day of my life. You think of all the things John Paul II did, and this is the reason he was made Pope? To canonize this little nun, nobody from nowhere, and to institute the Feast of Divine Mercy? We might want to listen to what he, she has to say. And when did John Paul II die? Well, I'll tell you. We were meeting, personally, myself and our provincial, with Cardinal Jeevich, who was John Paul II's right-hand man for 40 years. And he shared a story with us when he visited the shrine. 
he came to our shrine of divine mercy. And there he told us an amazing story. He said, you know, on the Saturday before divine mercy, on 2005, John Paul went to confession and received Holy Communion, or excuse me, and went to Mass. It was a morning Mass. It was not a Divine Mercy Sunday Mass. And he was not going to celebrate Mass again till the next day, which was Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, the day went on and John Paul's getting sicker. It, it then was after 5.30. Now, after 5.30, you can celebrate the Sunday Mass, right? So Cardinal Jeevit says there was no plans to do this because he was weak. So he said, all of a sudden on his heart, he was placed to celebrate mass with John Paul. And he said, he ignored it. Then an hour later, it was put on his heart, celebrate the mass for divine mercy Sunday with John Paul. Now you can do that on Saturday night. He ignored it. A third time, by now it's 8.30 at night. A third time it's put on his heart, celebrate mass for Divine Mercy Sunday with John Paul. Can you imagine Cardinal Jeevich? He's rummaging through the sacristy, pulling out corporals, purificators, ciboriums, chalices, and he set up Mass, and just him, and just John Paul, and they celebrated Mass for Divine Mercy Sunday. John Paul, who had been to confession, received Holy Communion for Divine Mercy Sunday, and he died 25 minutes later. You don't think that was the grace of God giving him that pure gift of being able to go straight to heaven as the spouse of Christ? Yes, it was. This is why Jesus said, I have eternity for punishing. So I am prolonging the time of mercy for the sake of sinners, but woe to them if they do not recognize the time of my visitation. This is my last slide. Why do I like this be the last slide? Because God bless all of you. You have recognized that this is the time of Christ's mercy visitation. You are here for a reason. God puts you in that pew, even if your spouse had to pull you here. God puts you here for a reason. The reason, he wants you to be with him in heaven. And he wants you to be spotless so he can take you to heaven. God wants you to be his spouse. Christ is coming for you. There is no way you would be here if Jesus wasn't clamoring from the heart to be united with you through his mercy. And now you have a chance to do it this Divine Mercy Sunday. Please do it. We never know when it will be the last one. And so that was my last slide, but I finish with a one-minute video. It was to this novice, considered no one special by her superior, that Jesus Christ would quietly entrust a great mission. Christ instructed Faustina to remind the world about God's unfathomable mercy. She was to accomplish this by introducing new devotional practices to honor mercy and by establishing a worldwide movement of souls dedicated to spreading divine mercy. Jesus directed Faustina to proclaim to the world that even the worst and most hopeless sinner was deserving of God's infinite mercy. It is divine mercy, he said, that will determine the future destiny of the world.
Speak to the world about my mercy. Let all mankind recognize my unfathomable mercy. It is a sign for the end times, after it will come the day of justice. While there is still time, let them have recourse to the fount of my mercy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all God wants. He simply wants to shower you with forgiveness, love, and mercy, and to get you to heaven. God bless you, and thank you very, very, very much. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.